With Father's Day right around the corner, what do you give to the man who has everything? Easy. You give him an experience he'll never forget. You give him Omaha Steaks because a world-class dad deserves a world-class steak. The Father's Day experts at Omaha Steaks have made it easy to put a smile on the big guy's face this summer with hand-selected gift packages starting at just $89. Just go to omahasteaks.com and use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout for an additional discount when you shop gourmet gift packages for Father's Day. With Omaha Steaks, the possibilities are endless. Endless flavor, endless variety, and endless value. Truly, they have perfected more than just steak. Your dad is guaranteed to love every bite. Go to omahasteaks.com, use the promo code BLUEWIRE to get an exclusive savings. Shop for unforgettable gifts that are guaranteed to make dad's day. Because if there's one thing that Omaha Steaks knows, it's the dads want steak. That's omahasteaks.com, promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to save on exclusive packages starting at just $89. Hey there, welcome to Nick Pollock and Friends, where I talk to people I know and who you should know today. Oh, it's Danielle. Danielle, what's up? It's so good to see you. It's great to see you too. It's been so long. It really has, you know? First Pitch Arizona is so far away. And of course, this year, you know, we're still very conscientious of, of COVID and there are fewer trips and opportunities to connect. You're on yeah. the other side of the world <laughs> in San yeah. Francisco area. It's so easy to just drop by and say hello. Yeah, you know, right. <laughs> I haven't been on a flight <laughs> to Arizona. Um, so, but, but yeah, but thank you so much for being here, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I'm really happy to be here. Nervous, so, but happy. So, so, Danielle, if you could describe yourself in uh, about 10 words, I'm going to give you 10, not like two. I feel like that's just sort of changing people. But I'm going to give you 10 to describe yourself to everybody listening. How would you do that? Oh, goodness. <laughs> you know, I'm going to I'm going to preface this by saying, um, you know, I was talking to my 11 year old earlier today mm-hmm. and stuff because I, I listened to a few of the episodes just okay. to kind of get an idea of, of what things were like. Yeah. Um, and I, I asked my 11 year old, I said, Hey, what's, what's interesting about me? <laughs> and, uh, and they said, uh, you're smart, you're pretty, and you know, weird things. Very like, true right, on all accounts. You're, you're, you're not really helping me here. I don't know that that's interesting <laughs> about me, but yeah, sure. Okay, we'll go with it. Um, so <laughs> I don't know that that's how I would describe myself. Um, I, you know, first and foremost, I would always say funny. I think I'm funny, and there are certainly some people who don't, but I question their sense of humor. I find myself to be uh, pretty hilarious. Um, introverted. Mm-hmm. Which would surprise some people, I think. Um, and then um, I'm a funny, introverted person, very interested in talking to people, getting to know people, talking about mental health. How many words is that? that that's I'm going to count that as one. No, uh, it's it's like the translation in a Godzilla movie, right? <laughs> uh, but uh, actually, you, you touched on there. Um, I know this from a lot of people is, you know, people that I interact with very socially, but, uh, you know, something that I think about a lot is we see the highlights of people's lives a lot, right? We see these moments of how they want to present themselves publicly a lot. And we don't know, you know, we don't, you don't, I don't know you 24 seven. You don't know me 24 seven. Right. Yeah. And I, uh, you know, it might be a shock to some, 
uh, that, that you know you, that you consider yourself introverted, but it's, it's about how you charge yourself, right? How do you recharge after? And I mean, yeah. for me, I know that people give me energy a lot more than take it. Uh, but it's not always the case for everybody. And, and and you would say, I'd imagine then that you have to expend the energy when you're around people. And then you, you know, you have to be by yourself in, in a very calm space to recharge. Is that right? Absolutely. And actually, that's something that really became apparent for me during the pandemic. Um, you know, when I started working from mm. home, we have a full household. So it's, you know, myself, my husband, Justin, our two kids, and then my mom and my brother also live with us. So all of a sudden, I was around people constantly. Yeah. Whereas before, I would have, you know, my 20 to 30 minute drive to and from work every day. I would have my breaks at work and even my lunchtime. You know, a lot of people love going out to lunch with their coworkers, and I'll do that on occasion. But a lot of mm-hmm. the time, I like to just go and sit somewhere, read, and just have some quiet time. So that was my recharging time. And with the pandemic, working from home, being around everybody constantly, I found myself getting really anxious and kind of agitated. And it took me a little bit to realize why. And it was because I needed to take the time to go somewhere and just be quiet for a little while, have nobody around me, have nobody asking me for anything, just be able to be with myself and my thoughts. Definitely. I mean, there's always a balance too, right? It's not like, you know, you say you're an introvert. It's not just 100% that you don't want anybody. No, you know, I absolutely say an extrovert, you know, I think a lot of extroverts listening to this are like, oh yeah, I could definitely appreciate just some time on the beach just to you know meditate or uh, clear the head. But there, there's a balance between, and I, I know that I personally go off and seek it a lot, especially being in this apartment and what I call my <laughs> hobbit hole. I, uh, but, uh, but for others, of course, I mean, the, yeah, the, the pandemic accelerated those thoughts a lot for people, some that were just alone in their apartments and others that were surrounded by so many people and they f- didn't go off and disperse into work. They all were just under one home and that can be really, really tough. Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely can. You know what you said about the recharging, that's really what it is. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I mentioned that I'm a, I'm an anxious person. It's just kind of a part of my makeup. Um, you know, I do certain things to try and manage it. Um, but nonetheless, it's still there. So for me being around people, I'm constantly like, what am I doing with my hands? Am I talking enough? Am I talking too much? Am I saying really weird things? And people think I'm strange. Like, all these thoughts are constantly going oh, on yeah. in my head while I'm hanging out with people. And it is, it's exhausting. Yeah, and right? so it is, it's a matter, <laughs> it's, it's a matter of the, uh, the energy level for, sure. for me, you know? After right. you know, slump back like, oh, okay, that was fun, but man, it's <laughs> over. <laughs> Absolutely. So, right, let, let's go back to the beginning with you, Danielle. Did you did you grow up in the Bay Area as well? I did. I've uh, pretty much been here all of my life. So uh, started off down in, you know, closer to San Francisco. Uh, That's where both of my parents grew up. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when I was very young, we moved up north to Sonoma County. And other than a brief stint of living in uh, New York, I've been here uh, pretty much all my life. I was in yeah, Miami for a little while you, in New York. Really? Is that? Oh, yeah. that's right. I remember talking about that with you yeah. in, in Arizona. And you really messed up by leaving here. I don't know what you were thinking. <laughs> uh, oh. This is the best city in the world. And we all know that. 
I, I love it there. I mean, you know, I I said earlier that I hadn't taken a plane ride since Arizona, but I take that back because Justin and I went to Vegas. Um, oh, normally, right. yeah. we would go to New York, and I I love it. I absolutely love it there. Um, but because the New York events were canceled, we ended up going to Vegas instead, and I was very disappointed. The last time um, that I was in New York, I think, was when I met you. So back in, yeah, back in 2018. Eighteen. Oh wow! Uh huh. So what time that was? (laughs) (laughs) Back in the before days. Um, Oldies, of course. Yeah, and Justin was busy doing all of his things, and I just wandered around New York all by myself, and it was great. I loved it. Oh, that sounds so wonderful. And yeah, I mean, ah, I I remember those. uh, I, I, my whole timeline is messed up of when I started understanding the whole community you know, the fantasy community for those uh for the tat wars drafts and i think my first one where i just kind of showed up and said hey i'm in new york and everyone else is too may have been 2017 maybe 18 i don't i honestly don't remember <laughs> but i just I, I remember being um you know throwing bp to tristan cockcroft one year or i uh, or just going to Foley's and just knowing that everyone's there and seeing Ted Berg. I'm like, oh my God, it's Ted Berg. This is so <laughs> cool. Um, and I, and I, it, it's, it's something that I've really, really missed, uh, yeah. through the, through the pandemic is, or those March meetups because yes, we see each other a lot in Arizona, but it, there's a more freedom, I think, to it. Um, when it's also my hometown and it's just, yeah, well, everybody's there. It's just such a wonderful, joyous time. There are no, we're just like whatever we're all just chilling and hanging out for ages it's it's great and i hope that you know next year it's it's a lot safer out there that allows for something like that obviously foley's done but though we'll find something hopefully they come back too um but i but going back here i mean when you were young what were your aspirations and dreams what were you thinking that you'd be at this time we're going where and doing what you know when i was uh very young uh i wanted to be a writer uh, oh yeah that yeah uh, that was my thing was that that i wanted to be a writer um eventually i i got into you know being interested uh, more in politics mm-hmm. um and wanting to perhaps pursue that i thought in high school but life kind of took a different turn and oh, yeah, i ended up not you know it, at one time i thought about uh going into law and mm-hmm. you know trying to help uh survivors and victims of sexual assault right but that takes a really really huge commitment yeah um and i just didn't know that i had that in me so yeah life took a different turn and i ended up doing a variety of things when (laughs) i was young (laughs) and when you're thinking about yourself writing i was it fiction nonfiction? was it reporting it was you know wanting to write the the great american novel and it's, yeah. that's, you know, that's, a, I, uh, my 11 year old again was asking me today of hey, when you were younger, did you ever, you know, try to write books? And I mm-hmm. can remember a time that, uh, you know, I must've been eight or nine and my friend Charity and I sitting down and making a list of the, you know, books that we wanted to write and starting to, okay. you know, taking your pages and folding them up and drawing, you know, a little picture on the front mm, and writing a little story inside. Yeah, I mean, so you you must have in your mind right now. This is the story that I would write right now. This there's got to be. You know what? For me, it changed a bit. Um, in that, I don't know that I necessarily have stories. 
um, about other people or, you know, just characters that I've made up in my mind. I've mm -hmm. kind of switched a lot more to, and I haven't written a while, but when I do write, it's more talking about my own experiences. And so while I'm not a writer in the way that I envisioned, I'm a writer in a different way that suits me a lot more. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I found where things that I have shared have, you know, resonated with other people. And that is really fulfilling to me. And so that's more the type of writing that I enjoy. Um, it takes a lot of courage to do that. You know, it, it's not easy to be that vulnerable and to say, look, this is something I've went through. And, I, you know, I, without going obviously too into detail, of course, I don't, you know, how much you want to talk about it, but um, look, whatever you want to ask. <laughs> well, it's, you know, I, I was really proud of you that you did that. Um, and I, I know firsthand how I, you don't know what the response is going to be. Right. Yes. And uh, it was really wonderful to see a lot of people, I think, unified and needing a voice like you to be able to say something like that. So, yeah, that was wonderful. It is. It's very, it's nerve wracking. Um, yeah. There's a, a lot of time afterwards where I think, oh, my goodness, what have I done? Um, you know, there's a little bit of shame involved in kind of opening up, you know, whether it's talking about living with anxiety and depression, um, you know, or even talking about uh, grief uh, and child loss, which are a lot of things that, you know, I've been really open about. Right. Um, so there's that kind of, you feel very vulnerable and exposed afterwards. And I think at least for me, from how I grew up, there's a, a feeling of, oh, I need to hide that away. Oh, I, I shouldn't have ripped that bandaid off. I, I need to cover that all right back up. Um, but pushing through it ends up being, like I said, very fulfilling because people do come back and, you know, um, have been very kind in uh, their responses or have shared with me, you know, some of their own stories. Um, right. And I've been able to help others, um, which lifts me up. Absolutely. Uh, you know, something, uh, something I read, um, I thought was a very interesting note just about sharing emotions and how we process them and how I think as we, you know, with every generation, it becomes easier and easier, or at least more accepting to, to express thoughts and feelings. Um, you phrase it in a fascinating way of how every generation has been raised. And you think about those from world war one and suppressing the trauma from being at war. And then you have the great depression and then you have world war two and then you have Vietnam, you know, and then those parents, uh, uh, those ch children of Nam are just starting to be really parents now, or I, uh, and maybe or their generation se separate from that. And each state of it has been trained to not express feelings and to hold it in and to, you know, it, trauma isn't acceptable. Um, and to, to feel those feelings as a vulnerability. And it's damaging, of course, uh, and, and how it affects, affects the next generation, right? And slowly and surely, we're having better conversations about being human is having those vulnerabilities and those feelings. Uh, and, you know, I, I remember many a quote saying that, you know, trauma is not your fault, but it's your responsibility, right? Yeah. And that's a, that's a difficult statement to have because it's such a hard thing to go through and i uh, the more and more that we can recognize 
the on the how it's okay to have gone through that that it's human it's it's very very common to go through it um the more that we can not only stop running from it and address it but then also improve the lives of everyone around us as well who only just wants to help internally so uh, so having so seeing you come forward and, and talk about it is just another wonderful example and thank you for doing that well, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, there's there's this interesting people talk about going through trauma and, you know, that that happens for, you know, nearly everybody, I would think. Um, but we shy away from being affected by it or showing that we're affected yeah. by it, um, <clears throat> you know. For when we lost our son in 2015, um, you know, there were a lot of people who and they mean well. But who say things like, you know, I'm so sorry, be strong, you know, just be strong. That's that's what you need to do right now. Um, And even my own father, you know, within hours of uh, our son passing, my father was like, all right, well, you just got to go ahead and move on now. And it's like, you know, it's it's I think that when you're in that type of situation, just of any type of of trauma, any kind of difficulty, um, it's okay to not be strong in the way that people think it's okay to go ahead and allow yourself to be vulnerable, to lean on the people around you, you know, your loved ones, your friends, um, to not be the strong one at that point, that takes a certain amount of strength Mm -hmm. to go, you know what? I can't hold myself up right now, but I know that there are people around me who can until I'm able to do it myself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of, uh, you know, it comes from a place, obviously, of saying, "Hey, I'm trying to give encouraging words for you," yes. but the actual words are not what you need, right? It's uh, it's something a little bit different. Um, to 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 shift this a little bit, yeah. I I I got you know I heard you mention that you had a lot of odd jobs or you you were doing a lot of different things, and I do I'm so curious. I I do want to hear maybe the uh, the weirdest one or the, the wildest story that you have from your time when you were trying to just kind of figure out what you were doing? Um, you know, okay, this isn't necessarily around the time of, of what I was trying to figure out what I was doing, but I do think mm-hmm. that this is funny that um, when I was 13, I worked at a winery on the bottling line. Really? Yeah. At 13? Yeah. yeah, 13. I had a friend whose father was the general manager at a winery and he gave the both of us um, a job to work on the bottling line. So <clears throat> we took the bottles out of the cases and this is back when it was a lot more old school than the, uh, you know, kind of high tech stuff that they do now. Sure. Yeah. Um, so think more along the lines of like uh, Laverne and Shirley, you know, with <laughs> the bottling line. So we were putting the bottles onto <laughs> the tracks. It would take it over. Uh, you know, the wine would get filled, cork would be popped in, and then mm-hmm. we would have to put the foil caps onto right. it. It would go through, foil cap would get pressed on, come out, and then we would have to, you know, we had different stations, take them out. And then I also, (laughs) all this stuff is automated now, but back then there was a little machine that had glue in it and you would have to roll the label through the glue and then place the label onto the bottle. Oh, wow. I was not very good at this. and I Yeah, so you had to be dexterous for it to be like actually lined up properly. Get it in the right place. Have it yeah. lined up with the foil. Cap, oh, I would everything. fail so much at this now. Not even at thirteen. I would fail this now. 
There were so many crooked labels and I think of all the people who got those bottles. They were like, what is this? Oh, no. Blue smeared and I'm trying to wipe it off and then it just becomes residue and weird and you're trying... Yeah, it was just upside down, you know, it's... The times that we would have to stop everything because we got behind, you know, oh, you, no. you think you're doing fine with putting the foil caps on and all of a sudden you're five oh bottles God. behind. Yeah, I'm thinking of this I Love Lucy episode where she keeps having to eat yes. the sweets, you know, and oh my Except God. Except I was 13 and couldn't just down a bottle. <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, how long did you last at that? Uh, we did it all summer. Really? Great. Yeah, all summer. Oh my god, the first week must have been something else. And, oh, it was definitely there was a big <laughs> learning curve there. But you know, for me at the time, it was great money. I was able mm-hmm. to, you know, growing up, um, you know, I grew up really poor. Um, so for me to be thirteen, junior high, you know, my mom couldn't afford getting me, you know, the cool clothes. Right, um, yeah. So having a job like that, I was able to then go out and do my own shopping and and get the clothes that I wanted and liked and stuff. So, yeah, you know, that I must mean, have been great. It must have been feeling, you know, that individualism, right? Just, yes. Yes, uh, absolutely. Like, you know, in elementary school, when you're my mom made my clothes it was not good. It was wow. really, really not good and stuff. And, you know, I grew up with hand-me-downs, clothes from mm-hmm. secondhand stores, all of those things. I mean, so, so here's the thing. You have this very good stuff, reason. Right? You have a, you have a very good reason now if you control for all this stuff. Me, I just, and I'm six foot three out of nowhere. And I, I'm too, I don't even understand that it's not great for my jeans to go up to like halfway down my knee. <laughs> you know, that's just me being oblivious. And that's my excuse, you know? <laughs> I, oh man, I... But I, uh, yeah, eventually I learned like, oh, clothing is a thing that I should focus on when I was maybe 20. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, like and you were like way ahead of the game. You're like, okay, 13, I got this. I, I have short girl problems. So for me, it's the jeans dragging because trying oh, to. Oh, is that hard. right? Oh, well, it yeah. can look good if you roll it up a little, right? That's not so bad. Yeah, thank goodness I grew up in a time where, you know, pegging your jeans was, was really cool. Oh, but, uh, nice. Yeah. Our, our kid asked me a couple of years ago, hey, do you know how to peg jeans? Oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> You've come I to am the right place. Throw at this. <laughs> what kind of peg do you want? I got some different styles we can try out. Oh, wow. Uh, okay, so that, that's fantastic. And um, so so I, I let me, give me the, just a quick, quick roadmap. We're going across the, the country of Danielle, getting to where you are now and where you started pretty much. Like, okay, where'd you go to school? How did that progression happen? Um, you know what I have, and this is actually something that I, I wish wasn't the case. I never went to college. Is I that right? To, like my father, my father never did either. I went to the junior college, um, for a while here locally. It's a really great school. Um, mm-hmm. but I never progressed on from there, um, which is a, a big regret. I wish that I had more confidence during high school. I wish that I had really tried to pursue something more than, um, mm-hmm. But I, I didn't. Justin and I have talked about now that he's finished with school because that took like 13 years or something like that to get him through uh, with his degree. And right. so once he finished, we had talked about me uh, going back and pursuing an education and well, doing something. So so two things I want to say is one, you've done so well for yourself without it. And I think in many ways it has shown how this understanding of, oh, okay, you go to high school and you do all that, and then you have to pay this massive amount of money to go to college now. And obviously that was the case for, you know, my boomer parents. I, uh, and, but 
uh, things have changed so drastically. Um, and the conversations I've had on this podcast a lot are the necessity for it. I mean, it is, is completely different than it used to be. The amount of online resources uh, available are insane. And I think the, the only reason to jump in at this point is just for that piece of paper for certification for something that you know that you do want to do. And if that, that makes sense, if it's a very specific, look, I need, you know, I need to get in my MBA or I, cause I want to go into that field. And that makes, I totally understand. Um, but I, you know, the, for, for example, if you want to get into coding, do Khan Academy stuff, you know, and just <laughs> make your own website and then you'll get hired somewhere and do that. I, I certainly like, I, I'm someone who graduated with a psychology degree and thought I was going to go to grad school for that and didn't want to pay all the money to do it. And then had a computer science minor and didn't want to do that. And I will work at the guitar center, you know, and I fell into, you know, you know, pictureless and everything like that. Right. And I was so bad and I still am very bad at it, but a little bit better now over eight years, right? A <laughs> little bit, a little bit. But, but, but there's so many, there are so many resources of the internet and, and, and people in this incredible community uh, that have taught me so much along the way. So um, there are obviously reasons to, to get that degree. And I, it's more of the, you know, the regret that you're having. I'm not here to say that you shouldn't have it or anything like that, but I will say the, um, you know, there, there was a stigma, at least with me growing up about not having one. Mm-hmm. Um, and fortunately, my father really taught me that it was wrong. I mean, he never went to, to college and he was, you know, one of the smartest people I know and, and figure things out and did really well for himself. And, um, you know, it really taught me to question that notion. And now, so more than ever, it's just like college is, is, is a luxury for to, to network. <laughs> as a kid and for me to become myself a bit. Um, and you, you clearly don't need those things that I lacked going to college in that for, regard. So for me, I think it's more a matter of wishing that I had pursued something that I was passionate about rather mm-hmm. than simply doing whatever yeah. I could to get by, which is really yeah. what I've done for most of my life is, you mm-hmm. know, whatever I could do to get by. I mean, you know, as a kid, lots of babysitting, worked in a snack shop, uh, worked with kids a lot. I've done daycare, nanny, um, you know, and eventually I ended up working for a program that I had volunteered for as a kid. Back when oh. I was interested in being an attorney, I worked for a nonprofit that had volunteer teens who acted as attorneys for kids that had been arrested for minor infractions. So Fantastic. Uh, shoplifting right. or, um, you know, maybe they were graffiti, those mm-hmm. kinds of things. And so it was a, a program that instead of having them go through the juvenile. Right. And just make the conditions worse. And then all of a sudden someone that could be like, okay, let's, you know, let's yeah. try to adjust it, this. Now it just makes it all worse and it snowballs. Exactly. Uh, so this was like an people. intervention program. Yeah. And so it was great because I got to defend the teens who came through the program. And then eventually as an adult, I started working for the nonprofit. So I helped run the teen court program that they had. And then I also helped run the theater group that they had where these teens would get together and write about issues that teens were facing um, and then go out and perform them in the schools. That's um, wonderful. So I did that for a long time and it was great 
and then moved into doing more administrative. And so that got me on my start of doing administrative work. And that's mm-hmm. pretty much what I've done. And don't get me wrong, okay. there are times that I've worked for places where it was something I really could be passionate about, like the nonprofit. Um, I've worked for wineries. I worked for a Native American tribe in their housing program. And that was great. And now I work for a town and in their public works department. So it's one of those things where it's just, it's, you know, I enjoy the work that I do. I enjoy the people that I work with, but it's not something that I feel very fulfilled in Mm -hmm. and passionate about. And I'd still like to find that for myself. So do you you have an idea and a a place that you want to explore in the very, at the very least to start off? Uh, You know, I do. I mean, would I like to be able to, you know, write and blog and make money off of that? Sure. Do I think that'll happen? No, not so much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but um, I really would like to get into work that is more about, and I hope this stays within your guidelines. Uh, <laughs> it's not a swear word, but Sex positivity, and especially so in helping survivors of assault um, or... It's absolutely <clears throat> in okay. my guidelines, yes. <laughs> of course, this is a very important topic. So, uh, for me, as a survivor of childhood abuse, um, you know, I can see the way it impacted me and my view of, of sex and how that growth for me kind of progressed and the ways in which someone could have helped me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I would love to be able to take that and help others. You know, I also think that, you know, confidence, um, communication, these things in that realm aren't automatic for a lot of people. Right. Yeah, And so um, helping people in that way is something that I really would like to do. Well, I think that's wonderful. Uh, And that's not something you can just take a course for online. So I understand (laughs) um, that, you know, you need to search for other avenues for that. But I think you'd be wonderful at that. And that's obviously a very fantastic cause uh, for you to pursue. Um, You mentioned very quickly about writing and blogging. I just want to tell anyone listening, if that is not, that is not the way to jump in now. If I were to jump in and say like, Hey, I want to make picture list now. I wouldn't do it like that. I probably would just do it with videos and podcasting. Honestly, uh, it's a lot harder to do it now than it ever was, especially yeah. with writing. Yeah. And that's hard because for me, I express myself a lot better in written form. Sure. I think than than I do, Oh, video would be so hard for me. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing great right now as we record only me, audio but... <laughs> over video. Uh, but... <laughs> it's 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 there's a charm in writing. You know, there are certain things that I do in the SP roundup that I would never say out loud, but I get to write it because it's just kind of lost on the page and it's just can be interpreted in a different way. But if I said it out loud, I would just not do that. <laughs> and I, you know, and there's, there's something also to to be said about forcing yourself to be creative and forcing yourself to admit, um, than saying it out loud, which can be quicker and easier. I mean, podcasting is easier for me than it is writing. Writing is a lot. It's just, there's just so much more, 
um, calculation going on and effort and time. You know, I have the whole paragraph written in my head, but it takes a good 30 seconds to let it all out. And that's more yeah. exhausting than just saying it, right? Um, I mean, I used to write my articles for fan graphs, pa- pacing in the kitchen and saying it to myself, the entire article. Wow. And just say, this is what I'm going to write. I'm going to start with this, going to talk about this sentence, this sentence, this sentence, maybe do a joke there. <laughs> and then, <laughs> then you're going to do a GIF and then a chart of this, another this, a GIF, and then I'm going to close it out with something else. And then I'm going and take an hour and a half and write it. Um, but writing to, is, there's a flow and a very specific thing about it. And you have to do it so much. Um and podcasting and video for as whatever you want to say about how the world works and how you dislike it. Well, that's what everyone consumes. It's easier. It's simpler. It's how everything in the world is just getting more condensed into being streamlined. And that's the world. Hi, what's up world <laughs> um, to get used to it. And I feel very, very fortunate that I started eight years ago. So I was able to still at least get in on the uh, article landscape but it's not what i would do now so i mean you know there's i will always say to everybody oh cool you're looking to get into some field well you should do a podcast and you should do a video on it (laughs) and no it's not for everybody so and there's a lot more to be said about not being a content creator and actually working with direct people that can do so many good things so i really hope you do pursue that and uh you know you do find your right spot in it I hope so. You know, the pandemic kind of derailed things a bit, mm-hmm. but I've done a lot of research in, you know, what it would take to dive into that. And, you know, I'm hoping that for us right now, <clears throat> we just got to get through this. We got to get through to our baby being, you know, safe and vaccinated and, yeah. you know, get to that point And then I'll look at pursuing something for myself. There we go. All right. So, yeah. And in, in this time then between then you have to entertain yourself. So I got to hear, I want to hear all the hot takes from Danielle <laughs> favorite movie. What do we got? Oh, I'm terrible at this sort of thing. So I wouldn't call myself wishy-washy, but I'm very, it depends on my mood. Kind sure. Of okay. What's the first one you thought of though? When I said that uh, Shawshank Redemption. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah. I love that movie. I you love wanna, that movie. You want know the one thing that like I always go to that I just I don't know. Like the whole process of him escaping, right? Sorry, spoiler alert. If you haven't listened or watched Shawshank Redemption, I'm so sorry. It's your own fault at this point. It's I'm like sorry, 25 but... years or whatever, 30 years at this point, okay? Don't sorry. <laughs> uh Tim Robbins at the end of this is essentially sneaking out for like what two miles an hour, mile and a half through like the waste tunnel. Yeah. Right. And this very small thing, I could never do that. I, I, it doesn't matter what you said. It was at the end of the tunnel mentally, the strength and fortitude to crawl through that in that claustrophobic space to commit without seeing the end and just believing that there is one. Oh boy. Yeah. That's That's, because you don't have kids. (laughs) <laughs> it's just true. I don't. Once you have yeah. kids, you're like eh, bodily fluids. Been there. Okay. <laughs> well, it's not. It's not. It's not even the the bodily fluids. It's just the space. It's like the claustrophobic na- nature of it. Yeah, I can understand that. I do. I I have trouble with tight contained spaces. Um, there is uh in San Francisco. There's the Exploratorium, and they have the um, 
I can't remember what it's called. I think it's the tactile sphere, but basically it's this huge sphere that you can go inside of and uh, you go into a tunnel and it is complete darkness and you have to feel your way around. There are occasions where they'll have, you know, there's a emergency exits and that sort of thing. So you get a little bit of a glow from the light, but for the most part, it's total darkness. And so you, and it's, it's interesting because, you know, without your sight, you know, your hearing and then the sense of touch and stuff, it really just becomes a lot more prominent. And so it's great. They have lots of different things on the floors and walls and ceiling for you to feel. Um, mm-hmm. But the first time I went in, there was a bit of a, oh, God, I think I might have a panic attack right now. Yeah, right. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm not even having it. I'm a gang super anxious <laughs> just hearing about it. I mean, I've had the dreams of like following friends or something through something. And then like I'm trying to go. I have this succinct memory of like I'm trying to fit through like almost a dollhouse and you know and i i go through the small door and i get like stuck and there's like no that's my life now you know <laughs> and it's not even like a dollhouse in like this big space it's just like no i'm like all these series of hallways and everything like that um it, it's it's something that i would like to do just to you know get over that anxiety right yeah. I uh, but uh but anyway, that's why I take away from the Shawshank. Not nothing else <laughs> of the movie. Just Not all the classic right scenes. Just like, dude, I couldn't do that. Everything else I could do. Not I that. You never know until you're actually faced yeah. with a situation. Oh, man. You know? The the because you gotta think, yes, there's that that small pipe mm-hmm. tunnel. Um right. but is that more suffocating with the possibility of then being on the other side in the open air than the idea of suffocating in a small room? Yeah. Yeah. Slowly for the rest of you. So I, I think that sometimes you just, you don't know until, yeah, you're, you don't, until you've been challenged. With, right? Yeah, right. exactly. You don't really know how you'll react and what sure. direction you'll go in until that happens. Um, you know, before that, I would say, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen what dreams may come. Oh yeah. Of course. Robin Robin Williams Williams and uh, Cuban Gooding Jr. Yes. Yeah. So I, I have always loved that movie and uh, Mm. I don't know most, a lot of people, especially uh, Robin Williams fans, you know, it's, it's not their favorite. There are plenty of others. It's a different, it's a different Robin Williams film. It's uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely a uh, deeper in some ways, darker um, movie. It's a spiritual movie. Let's put it that way. Yes, yes, but I I loved the the part, and again, spoiler, sorry for anybody who hasn't seen this, you know, thirty five year old movie. Um, <laughs> but there's there's a point where he goes and uh, he you know finds his wife, and he he sits down with her, and the point is not to rescue her, the point is just simply to be with her. And right. be by her side, you know, for whatever it is that she's going to endure, he's going to endure it with her. Yeah. And there was just something really poignant and beautiful about that to me. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a lesson that I think a lot of us need to understand is, you know, I, I feel it when I'm going through something, I'm not looking to the person next to me to solve it to, you know, I don't expect them to. Right. Yeah. Just to know that I'm not alone. And that there's there's someone to help if I need it. And 
that's huge. That's, that's a, uh, that's, that's very, very important. So, you know, it takes, it's a hard in the moment when you're seeing someone go through stuff too. And, you know, I certainly have that feeling of just wanting to do everything to stop it for them, but you can't, you know, that's not really what uh, they even want you to try to do. Right. It's yeah. just, Hey, be there with them. So yeah. I, I love that call too. Um, all right. Other side of the coin than TV shows. What do we got? TV shows. Um, yeah. I don't know why, but I really love Grey's Anatomy. It makes me sad all the time. Huh. Like, you know, Justin will walk into the room and I'm sitting there just blubbering mess. Is it still on right now? Is it like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's Seriously? still on. Yeah. I don't even it know. Is it been like 20 years? Maybe, probably something oh, wow. like that. Oh, yeah. It's, it's been on for a really long time. Man, so, so much focus on one person's anatomy. It's insane. <laughs> That's wild to me. Uh, I I have a distinct memory from college freshman year of uh, the uh, all the girls on the, my floor watched Grey's Anatomy together. So as the guys that didn't watch it, we just played poker that night. Instead. <laughs> yeah, lots of McDreamy, McSteamy back in those days. All right, McDreamy. Oh yeah, forgot uh, that. Oh yep, man. Yep, they're both gone. So no oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. How could the show live on without that? You know, they've, they've still got <laughs> Meredith and that's all that, that's all that matters. So <laughs> I love that. And um, I really love, I don't watch a lot of TV. I don't often mm-hmm. get uh, an opportunity to watch sure, a lot yeah. of TV. Um, but Justin and I make sure to watch Wednesday nights or date night. And we mm-hmm. watch Survivor and The Challenge. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Do you know that I watched the first 30 seasons of Survivor with my mom? Really? Yeah. First 30 of them. I mean, ever since it started, it was like, okay, Thursday nights, this is like, we ensure that we hang out and we watch Survivor, right? And we would record it when I even was in college, like when we would meet up, we would watch that episode, you know? Um, And then eventually I said, all right, I don't, I don't think this works anymore. We need to have a relationship outside of Survivor (laughs) as I'm a proper adult now. Uh, But you still watch it, right? Yeah. 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 Have you watched all of them all the way through? I have not. Justin has, but I have not. Um, You know, I remember watching when the show first came out. I watched it a lot. Um, And and then I was in my 20s and I was doing other things. So, well, well, shout out to Kentucky Nick, who is a PL Plus (laughs) subscriber and is inside of our Discord, uh, which is one of the greatest things I've ever told my mom. Uh, And I was like, just let you know, Kentucky Nick, you know, Survivor winner. (laughs) <laughs> is a pl plus subscriber mom that's awesome i uh, but i uh, so yeah if 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 kentucky nick is why aren't you listener get on it <laughs> all right you can uh, i give a new promo code every single monday on the list uh go look for it just read the notes and you join the discord you dingus <laughs> anyway i had uh, an opportunity to i met uh the war dog while we were in vegas oh so, is that right really nice guy yeah oh man i mean there's so many like there's so many legendary people from that show. There's Coach. There's on the white coach, the first one I thought of. Um, <laughs> but I, but I mean, I, my mom would I always joke like Rob talking about Amber. I miss my Amber. You know, that's what she would say to me. <laughs> I, I miss my Amber. It's just, oh, I always felt that Russell should have won at least once. Yes. I thought that was such a crime. Wholeheartedly right. agree. For me, the people who go on the show and start getting upset and whining, well, well, this person lied to me. You're on Survivor. 
Yeah, well, I, well, I think I think the element that I miss while watching that in retrospect it makes more sense to me now um, is that Russell, like we saw just Russell the tactician, but we didn't see Russell the like the social person, like all the yeah. little like normal conversations. And I imagine he just treated everyone horribly. <laughs> and like no <laughs> one wanted to like look past that and give him a million dollars right like they were just like well you 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 suck man i'm sorry like we yeah. don't i don't like you i'm not gonna give it to you. yeah yeah like i don't care if like that's how you did it like well you you stink you know that's why everyone went along with your stuff because everyone thought that like no one was gonna vote for you because you stink so much you know and they were right yeah so whatever i guess uh, but i love that one you said surviving you said a second show too right uh, the challenge. The challenge. Uh, I don't know what that is. Challenge. Oh, no. right. So back in the day when uh, they had the real world, and uh-huh. then they also had a oh, real rules challenge. Yeah, you have. And their, so they brought it yeah. together, and they yeah. And so you have you know a bunch of well, it used to be that you had you know a bunch of twenty somethings all competing for a bunch of money with you know very similar in a lot of ways to um to Survivor, except for they mm-hmm. do cooler challenges to me i mean there's oh, really? really you know they they get to ride on big rigs and try to solve puzzles or mm-hmm. you know ride on helicopters and dangle from them just some really cool stuff and um yeah that's that's my guilty pleasure or apply to any of these oh no no i could never deal with being being on one of those shows absolutely not um i, I think you'd I, be pretty good in survivor i mean you, you absolutely have the wits to do it survivor maybe i you know i think that i would do okay socially i don't know how i would do with some of the challenges yeah but um, whatever like it's it, winning the challenges isn't like you know and not to mention they they certainly move away at times from you know like i'm worried about like oh these strength things i'm like well i'm not the strongest man ever you know <laughs> and but then again they like a lot of these challenges are just either of will or of just like hey are you good at puzzles right can you figure this out you know can you remember things you know it's not always just who is the most like ready person to climb over this and do that fastest you know it's, you know they they certainly balance the two i just don't know how entertaining i would be but also i, I worry about the come on danielle yeah, you would be amazing. <laughs> I I worry though about the food, the being. Oh hungry. yeah, I don't ah, that's, do well hungry. Yeah, you yeah. Know, uh, Justin and I, we our honeymoon, we went to France. Um, mm-hmm. So his grandmother lives there, and oh, really? we I didn't know that. Yeah, so we were running late the day that we were leaving. We woke up late, and so had to rush get all of our bags. And, mm-hmm. you know, from there, we've got to run and get to the train station, everything to get to the So airport. you were hangry. So we could not get food beforehand. Yeah. And then I told him once we got through security, we've got to grab food. And he said, no, we don't have time. We have to oh, go no. and get to our gate. And we have to go now. Now, we had a very long flight coming oh, no. back. And they, they they didn't serve food on the flight. They, you know, you had a little, little bag of peanuts, maybe. Um so I'm not proud of this. I'm amused by it. But nonetheless, um, I threw a little stomping fit in the airport and kicked my suitcase because I was very angry that he wouldn't let me get food. And I was very hungry. And I knew that it was only going to get worse during the flight. Oh, my so, God. And he loves to tell the story and, and tease me about it. But, yeah, I don't do well when I'm, yeah. when I'm not. Right, fed. right, right. 
I, I understand that a lot. I mean, for me, it's like, okay, I better have rice. I better just like, you know, I, I can, I'm okay if I just get like just a little bit, just, just, just a little bit to satisfy me. But yeah. I, I mean, would, it might be I don't a know. Weight loss program for me. Yeah. Well, you know? no, but it's so like, I probably would faint, honestly. Like, I have a history of fainting, believe it or not. Really? Um, I've been really good like the last decade, but you know, I had, you know, when I was growing up, I had like multiple, like once every year or every other year, I had some incident because I just didn't understand what was going on, you know? Um, and I, so, so like, I'm a hyper aware of how like, I can all of a sudden become like super weak and just, you know, fall over, which then of course sends shockwaves for miles. Um, <laughs> but I, but yeah, that's probably the thing that would worry me the most. And the thing is people have fainted and been removed from the game from Survivor before, right? Like it's going to happen. Yeah. Of course it yeah. is. You're going to overexert and all this stuff. Um, and what stinks is like when, when you faint, like you're fine in like an hour normally at most, you know, all you need is just like something in you. And I mean, I've, I, I know this, I mean, certain, there's certain, you know, levels of it, but for then in survivor, they're like way too much of a liability, not a chance. You faint <laughs> once. Doesn't yeah. matter. He's like, Oh my God, his heart rate dropped so much. Like, yeah, that's called fainting. Like that's <laughs> what happens during it. And then it goes back up, you know? I uh, like it's oh man we have to remove from the game we don't know if this is going to happen I'm like fine but you don't have to but fine I'm um, okay really yeah, yeah it, they really you they, don't want to be medically taken out that's oh gosh, just that's the worst. yeah that is the worst I, I always find it funny also when like they show up in the next thing and they have this like large cast all of a sudden it's like wait when did that happen <laughs> you're surviving you're not allowed to have a large cast okay and like <laughs> they don't want again liabilities all this stuff but it's like I want, ah, hmm, should they have a cast though? <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> That's fine. I mean, would you, um, I mean, okay. So like, I always wanted to go to like a reunion back in the day and stuff like that. Have you done like any of those things uh, as a fan of the show? Gone to anything? Yeah. I got like, to, like I, I think like a lot of the reunions also are at least on the West coast a lot. Maybe sometimes they're in New York. Yeah, probably. No, I've never gone to, <laughs> to any of those things. <laughs> All right, fine. fine. I enjoy watching them, but no. Yeah, okay. It's been, uh, it's been enjoyable to see them, you know, due to the pandemic, have to go back to the way it used to be of reading the votes there. Oh, reading. that's right. And they didn't, oh, they, they've they done that? Yeah. Oh, good. Because so always what, bothered the, me so the much. The last two seasons, I know it was, and don't get me wrong, you know there's a certain element of cheesiness to survivor and yeah. you know the reading of the votes or even just you know the tribal council and stuff um but yeah the, the first time that they did that where he walked away and then you cut to you know whatever studio New York, in, yeah and, right you know and and everybody Wait, and he's on the helicopter looking out with the the, <laughs> the urn in his hand <laughs> Oh my god! Oh. <laughs> Unreal. And seeing everybody suddenly in their nice clothes and you know, yeah, it's like all, face, of, all of a sudden cut. Jeff, yeah, Jeff Probst is that has turned into Tom Cruise, <laughs> you know? Oh my god! Yeah, right. so I, I wasn't a big fan of that. I liked it yeah. when they read the votes right there immediately. So it was cool to see them have to revert back to that. Absolutely. All right. And going off of Survivor, because I, you know, I'm sure people tuned in like, oh yeah, Survivor talk. This is what I want. No. Uh, you must listen to music, right? 
Oh you yeah. Must. I listen yeah. to a lot of music. Okay. Do you play too? No, I wish that I did. Um, I'd really like to learn how to play the guitar, but oh yeah, you know, fourth grade, I played the flute. Oh, um, of course. That's, wonderful. You know, and yeah. you, were, you were wonderful at it, I imagine. Oh, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. My teacher. If you, ever, if you ever actually like move forward with a guitar, let me know. I, you know, worked at Guitar Center for 11 months. Thought I was going to play guitar forever. <laughs> I was in a band that I'm not going to say the name of. So no one Aww. can Google it. <laughs> I mean, I've, seen, I've <laughs> seen some of your videos of you by yourself. So. Oh, God. I there's one. That. There's one that like Twitch. I thought post- there was two. Posted. I thought there was two. I think, I think it's just one because I did this whole project of writing a song every day through a year in 2013. And only one of them was me actually singing because I was like, I need something that's different. <laughs> and I never thought like anyone would ever watch this. Jesus. I look what you've done to yourself. I know. It's a terrible <laughs> song. I don't I'm a terrible singer. I don't think um, you're a terrible singer. Yeah, I'm a terrible singer. Okay, uh, I'm a terrible <laughs> singer. My youngest will cover my mouth when oh, no. I'm singing bedtime lullabies. They're so her. unfiltered, aren't so, they? Yeah, just no, no, mama. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I'm like, oh. <laughs> Although I, I did make. I like singing. I enjoy singing. I'm terrible at it. Mm. So I will in the car turn the volume up really loud so, so that no i can, can hear it drown, yeah. so that yeah. i can't hear it <laughs> i don't want to listen to it well I mean, okay drown out the you, must, you must have done voice. karaoke before um i have done karaoke and what is yeah. your song depends on my mood kind of person sure i like such a wide variety of music i mean i I listen to country i listen to bluegrass i like classical music i like death metal you know night all right maybe maybe (laughs) I, I, death metal is the, the screaming the screaming is a little bit yeah i can't i can't do screaming i can't do growls much yeah yeah i like pop music i you uh-huh. know I, I like a wide variety well, hey don't be don't be ridiculous don't don't go really push yourself there like in pop music ease up oh, danielle I, i'm sorry I, I like to be you know on the edges of what's cool yeah (laughs) so i don't have a set song that i do for karaoke and i will say this i am terrible at singing but for whatever reason the um we rock star um i was Mm -hmm. really good at making sure that i stayed within the proper level like 99 percent, 100 i don't know how in the world but i still sound horrible oh no i'm sure you did a great job with it no i I sing all the time though and i make up songs constantly you make them up yeah, I make up songs all the time. What do you I mean? What do you mean you make them up? Um, I will, you know, especially with the kids goofing off, I will sing about whatever it is that we're doing. Oh, yeah. Um, you'll sing actions and everything like that. Oh, yeah, that's the, the best. Yeah. My uh, my youngest one night was like, sing the little bear song. And I was like, what is the little bear song? I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. And was very adamant that I had to sing the little bear song. Um, so I made one up. And well, can, can you please sing me? I, I actually was really hoping you'd, you'd bring this up because I would love for you to sing the Nick Pollock and Friends song. <laughs> I would. I, I know you know it. And I would just really, I think all of our listeners right now would love yeah. to hear you sing the Nick Pollock and Friends song. What? Oh, I'm so sorry, Nick. I can't hear you anymore. Oh, my God, let's get out. <laughs> this was a request sent in from an anonymous listener. They're you like, oh, man, Dan- Danielle Salinger's coming on. Oh, man. <laughs> We, they would i really would just love to hear the nick pollock and friends song. never never gonna happen 
I tried, everybody. I tried. You know, Vlad Sadler wrapped for for this podcast. Well, I'm Vlad just saying, is amazing. So Vlad is amazing. You know, and he did such a I'm great job. I'm not surprised by that. I, I I will sing Little Bear, but that's that's about it. I hope in in uh, in post you send me something that I can attach to the start of this podcast as the intro song. Um, and if you heard that, congratulations. If you didn't, Danielle, you know you just gotta you just gotta tweet her. But at, at, what is it? That mouthy wife is that right? Uh, that yeah, I can never remember what each thing is called. So it's at <laughs> Mrs. D. Salinger, okay. but I, I changed it to. Uh, that mouthy wife just for the whatever the name is that kind of oh yeah the username or like the yeah. yeah the the display name and then yeah the display right, name right, and right, then, right. yeah yeah so my, now, okay. my make sure you tweet uh, Danielle and say come on he deserves it he deserves a new a theme <laughs> for this that only you can provide I mean I'll, look I, I I do karaoke every so often I mean obviously different now um the ones that I mean everyone's gonna listen gonna hear what I say or like with the songs they do oh yeah of course Nick does that but it's uh you know there's a there's a pleasure in life of singing whole new world and whispering don't you dare close your eyes there's just something <laughs> just so sweet and serene about that um Britney Spears toxic is up there oh nice I if would I'm like yeah that. it's it's uh well you know what if you send me the Nick Pollock and friends song maybe we can arrange it Danielle <laughs> oh I see <laughs> so if I do that then when Justin and I come out to New York, We'll go uh, yes, we'll do toxic. Yeah, absolutely. Mm, all right, deal. All right, I'll I'll, I, I'll sign that deal. Absolutely. I think that I'd have to go with some sort of Prince song, most likely. Mm, you know, okay. I like to I like to get up and reenact some of the dances that I did when I was you know nine and ten dancing nice. around to Prince. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's you know, a good you know, call. A little Raspberry Beret. And just so I you know, great in moves back then. Of course you did. <laughs> um. You, just so you guys know, there's also Wanted Dead or Alive, John Bon Jovi. Oh. Uh, and by the way, I don't think I've said this story. My my dad, my dad was a recording engineer, right, at, at Power Station in New York. And uh, I hope he's, I'm sure he's fine telling me, me telling the story. And Bon Jovi's um, uncle ran the place, um, was, you know, pretty much owned the studio. So my dad, assistant engineer, yeah, long day, like 14 hours, is about to go home. And, uh, you know, his, his boss says, no, no, Malcolm, you got to stay. Little Bon Jovi has got to make his demo. Oh, my gosh. So Bon Jovi goes in there and records a demo. This is before, like, Richie Samboa and everything. And my dad's like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, oh, fine. And he records uh, it. I'm like, kid. You know, and I'm like, well, dad, what, you know, how was it? He goes. Well, let's just say, you know, he really got fortunate hooking up with Richie Sambella. <laughs> you know, I'm really happy that that partnership worked for him. <laughs> you know, when, um, which is absolutely wild to me. When I was young, I had Bon Jovi up on my wall and uh-huh. uh, and 21 Jump Street Johnny Depp. Oh, yeah. So apparently yeah, I had a thing for the Johnnies. <laughs> Well, yeah, well, you married Johnny Mason, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but I, uh, so I mean, okay, so is there like right now, if you had to put on an album, are you putting on Prince? Is that right? Or are you, are you putting on Bon Jovi? What are you putting on? Uh, no, these days I've been listening to a lot of uh, the Teskey Brothers, which oh. is uh, two brothers, a band out of Australia. Yeah. Um, and I really love their sound. 
um, both just their playing style and uh, and then little bluesy rock, a lot of mixture of a lot of influences and stuff. But the the voice for me, the voice a lot of times will uh, will really get to me. So they've sure. got a great sound. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's the most important thing. A, a lot of people talk to me about the lyrics of songs, and I say five percent of the time the lyrics of a song or why I like it or hate it. Yeah. And that's it. I don't, I don't really care about what the words are. I just care about what everything sounds like. What's the harmony? What's the, you know, what are all the instruments? How does the voice sound? Right. How is the, how are the words spoken? Not For just me, the actual words. The words, it, it depends on the song. I'm minority. It really, yeah, yeah. It really depends on the song because there are times that the words will really strike me. Mm-hmm. Um, Justin is terrible about listening to the words. There have been many times where, you know, we'll be driving in the car, song comes on the radio, and he goes, oh, and he reaches over, grabs my hand, says, whenever I hear this song, I, I think about you. And just, oh, you know. no. And I'm like, do you do you realize that this song is about a breakup? He's talking about <laughs> the girl has broken up with him and has moved on with another oh, no. man. And he's trying to fight himself on calling her when he's drunk <laughs> at 2 a.m., this reminds you of me? The answer is no. The answer is no. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just there's certain times when like you think you, you just recognize this song is about someone else. Is a you know, it's about some love interest. And that's like, oh, who's my love interest? Oh, it's my wife, you know? It's sometimes it's just that simple. All yeah, right. The guy's talking about his love for this woman, and that's yeah. what Justin identified with. Yeah. Sure, sure. I'll remember <laughs> that. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, what was the song at your wedding? Did you have one? Um, The song at our wedding. Oh, my goodness. All of a sudden, I'm blanking on the song at our wedding. <laughs> Justin knew it. No, he, I have no idea. I didn't ask him that. <laughs> um, oh, my goodness. I don't know why I can't remember the name. Uh, we played uh, the Beatles. Uh, instead of oh, the regular well, wedding march, walking down the aisle, um, huh? we played uh, something. Um, that's my favorite. That's my favorite song. You know, really? It, oh, it, it's from the first note. Everything that follows is exactly what it should be. For me, it's just it's got that nice, good slow melody mm-hmm. for walking down the aisle. You know, and in it, something in the way she moves. And, you know, it just, it felt like for me, the perfect song for walking down the aisle because it was either that, or we did talk at one point, but I was vetoed of um, doing the Imperial death March. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. I was, you know, it was Justin who wanted to get married and not really. I think something was a better choice. I'm just going to throw that out there. Just, 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 just a little bit. Um, oh man. I, I love that song so much. I was actually really fortunate. I went to see McCartney at MetLife Stadium oh. uh, with Alan Adair about two weeks ago. Oh, that's um, amazing. It was such a good time. And yeah, he, and McCartney played uh, something um, during it. And it's just it's just the best song. Yeah. It, it really, really, really is. All right. So I don't know what song you dance to. It doesn't matter. Something is fine. Was, I think it was Alan Jackson. Um, there's a song and it's kind of our song because Justin laughed because in it, it talks about, you know, going through the different stages of life mm-hmm. um, with a partner and uh, remember when, and it talks about remember when 30 seems so old 
And so every time that part would come on, I'd freak out a little bit and stuff. Oh, yeah, of course, in my thirties yeah. when Justin and I got married and had a family <laughs> and everything. And so right. that became uh, the big joke. We actually, I put together uh, our, you know, the little favor that we gave away to people um, was a disc of just a lot of different songs that we love and had meant something to us or that just spoke to me about, you know, relationships and, and love and stuff. And so that's what we gave away. And we, I still have it, still listen to it. I love oh, nice. all the songs that we played. Yeah, that's that's absolutely wonderful. Um, so I've taken a lot of your time so far. There are two last questions I do want to ask you. All right. First one is one that I ask a lot of people. Um, and it, what mantras do you have? What are the things they say? Okay, cool. This is, yeah, this is a mantra that I live by. You know, okay. I, I listened to the, uh, Derek Carty episode. That oh yeah. Great one. That I, that I listened to. Yes. And I, I heard you ask him this and I thought, oh no, what is mine? And huh. you know, the only thing that I, that really came up for me is something that, I only started a few years ago, uh, 2018, as a matter of fact. And this is going to sound odd. Maybe it does to me at least. Uh, I have become somehow afraid of flying. I used to be fine with it. Nervous, a nervous flyer. Um, Mm -hmm. But now where I I really um, like near panic attack status. I still do it and, you know, push through it. But I've, so I started a little mantra for myself of a lot of people will tell themselves it's going to be okay. It's going to be fine. It's this is going to be okay. That doesn't work for me. Right. Because I've had a lot of stuff in my life where, you know what? It just wasn't okay. It didn't turn out fine. Um, So instead I tell myself, I have no control over this. Whatever is going to happen is going to happen. And there are a lot of things in our lives that we do have a hand in, but there are certain times that you just don't. And part of relieving my anxiety about that is just reminding myself, I don't have control over this. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And then I'll deal with that. And that has helped to calm me and, and ease. And so I've taken it from just the plane ride to applying it to more stuff in my life. There are certain things that I just am along for the ride. And then once I get to where we are, then I'll jump in and I'll, you know, deal with where I am. Yeah, there you go. It's a very long mantra. But uh, (laughs) I mean, the mantra Uh, is I have no control over this. Right. There it is. (laughs) I I worry about what you can control. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And which is very the very important one and you know just the the act of mental focus itself of how we you know the, the time we focus mentally on certain aspects of our lives it's very important and part of what yeah. meditation is um to to really trust the foundations that you've already placed so you don't waste the the mental uh, i don't know the mental strength that you have on things, yeah, that you can't control. Wonderful back answer. Back to what you said in the beginning about expending energy. Yeah. You know, if you know exactly. you have a limited amount of energy, you want to put it in the right places. Yep. Uh, so this, the last thing I do want to ask, which I, I'm very curious about, you know, here you are right now. It is um, the end of June, 2022. Mm-hmm. And when you see your ideal self in five, 10 years, what does that look like for you? My ideal self right now 
Okay. Again, going back to a bit of the beginning, when we were talking, you asked me to come up with 10 words to describe myself. Yeah. This is something I'm working on. I have a really bad habit of negative things will be the things that come up first. Hmm. So I'm working on changing that of talking more positively to and about myself. So a lot of my where I see myself in five years is more a matter of my own personal growth of, you know, being in a place where talking positively about myself is automatic rather than something that I have to think about being more comfortable with putting myself first and taking care of my needs um, and not seeing that as a distraction from taking care of the others in my life that I'm responsible for, you know, being okay with doing that sort of thing. And that includes really focusing and pursuing something that I am passionate about, that I enjoy and feel fulfilled by, whether that is going into, um, you know, doing work with survivors, or if that's, you know, simply I'm still doing my job, but I'm writing more often and interacting with others that, you know, want to talk about the things that I'm passionate about. That so sounds... in five years, that's what I'm hoping for, that I'm just a more fulfilled and positive version of myself. Wonderful. Fantastic answer. I love that. And uh, however, I and everybody listening can help. I'm sure they will love to help get you there, Danielle. But that's going to do it for today. Would you like to share anything that, you know, how people can reach you, what you're doing, anything that you want to let our listeners know about? Now is the time. All right. Um, you can find me at Mrs. D Salinger on Twitter. Um, there I tease my husband a lot. Um, <laughs> caught myself really well there. Um, tease my husband a lot. Good job. Um, I'm proud of you. <laughs> thank you. Uh, I, I talk a lot about the, some of the things that we talked about here. I also host a mental health meetup every month. For oh, individuals that just want to get together and we try to have a kickoff topic. So maybe, you know, um, talking about resources. So books that we've read um, on different mental health topics um, or, you know, songs, music that help us when we're going through a difficult time. Um, so we have kickoff topics and we meet for an hour once a month and just talk about whatever comes up. So if people are interested in that, they can always contact me and I can give them more details. Um, I do have a, a blog that I hope to add to at some point, um, but it's beingrealwithdanielle.com. So um, they can go and see some of my older stuff where I have talked about child loss. I've talked about suicide prevention, um, anxiety and depression, and a variety of things going after goals reassessing goals. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that's absolutely wonderful. And uh, everybody go and check that out. Uh, but that's going to do it for this episode of Nick Pollock and Friends. So my name is Nick Pollock. And that was my friend, Danielle Salinger. <laughs>